Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Today, we're continuing a series we started just a few weeks ago. This is week three of a series called Questions Jesus Asked. And this was all about exploring some of the questions Jesus asked the people he was with. And Jesus wasn't asking the questions to discover the answers. It's not like he was curious and didn't know. He would ask questions to elicit a response, to get them to answer the question. Because it was important for them to verbalize it. It was important for them to come to this moment where they understood what truth is. And so we see this throughout Scripture, and that's, that's why we're going through this together. We want to contextualize it, help you understand what it means for us. And uh, we have these invites out in the lobby too for this series specifically. Take some with you. Uh, We've got several more weeks of this series to go. So invite some friends with you to come to church. Maybe they don't go to church. Maybe they've been hurt or disappointed by church. This is the right series to bring them to. So invite them to come. Today we're gonna start in John chapter five. In John 5, one, we see Jesus and his disciples, they come to Jerusalem. And for a Jewish feast is what it says, but what it was probably Uh, What it probably was was the the Feast of Pentecost. And this is an important feast in Jewish culture. Um, Rabbis and their followers, teachers and their followers from all over would come together and celebrate this Jewish holiday and have a feast. And many of the rabbis would gather together at the temple and they would... would, take turns teaching. I mean, it was almost like a conference. Uh, And that's what they would do. They would come together and celebrate and they would see people they hadn't seen in a long time. And so there's just this gathering of Jewish people to Jerusalem. And this is where we'll pick up in verse two. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep's gate or the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. In verse four, now some of your Bibles might not have verse four. Uh, Verse four is in some manuscripts, but not in some other manuscripts. So it might be in there, it may not be, but it says some, um, but it says this in verse four, for an angel of the Lord, talking about the pool, went down at a certain season into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. So let me set this stage for you. Uh, In Jerusalem, there's this pool called Bethesda, and near, it's located near a gate called the Sheep Gate. And the Sheep Gate is along the ancient wall of Jerusalem. The Sheep Gate was first mentioned back in Nehemiah chapter 3 when Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. Uh, this is one of the gates that he rebuilds. There's 10 gates mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3 that are rebuilt, and this is one of them. We also see um, that, that uh, the gates were named for what their usage was commonly. And so there, were, there was a, a horse gate, there was a water gate, which has nothing to do with Richard Nixon. Uh, he's old, he's not that old. Uh, but, all, you know, uh, different gates had different names. One of the gates was called the Dung Gate. Uh, that's right, Dung Gate. That's, you don't want to live near the Dung Gate. You know, that's a bad part of town, probably. Uh, and so the dung gate was the gate that people would take their trash out of. The, uh, the, the garbage heap was outside of that gate. And so people would literally carry their trash out and dump it in this pit. And so it was called the dung gate. Uh, the sheep gate was the gate that people would commonly bring their sheep through when they were going to offer sacrifice. So they would bring these sheep that were going to be a sacrifice, and that's why it was called the sheep gate. And the pool is located there, and it's called Bethesda. Um, We see variations of this word several times in Scripture for different cities or towns, uh, but they're typically called Bethsaida. This is called Bethesda, and Bethesda means house of mercy. Uh, the, The water there... It's interesting because one of the interpretations says that an angel would trouble the waters. And so the waters would be troubled. And then that was an indication that there's healing in the water, that people would get in the water. Um, And I I know for us, uh, many times, if the waters are troubled in our lives, that's a bad sign. But for these people, these men and women who gathered around this pool, who congregated around this pool, troubled waters meant healing was on its way. 
There's an opportunity for something new, an opportunity for something different. So I want to encourage you, if you're going through a a difficult season, if you feel like you're trying to navigate troubled waters, I've got good news for you. This might be an indication that there's healing on its way, that there's something better on the, the, the horizon for you. Around this pool, there was a number of porches. So it was covered porches around this pool and people would just congregate there. Literally, uh, it doesn't give us a number, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, uh, according to the word multitudes, a multitude of invalids. These were blind, lame, and paralyzed people gathered for a chance at healing. And I want you to know something. One of the things I love about our church is that our church is not a perfect church. If, you've, if you're looking for a perfect church, you need to keep looking because <laughs> you've, you have not found it, I promise. And the reason I know that is because I am not perfect. Our leadership is not perfect. Uh, we are human beings and we've got hurts and pain and baggage and issues and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but, but this is what I love because at Bethesda, invalids would gather together looking for healing. And I'm telling you, anytime there is healing possible, hurting people will show up. And what I see is in our church, hurting people coming together and we don't stay in our hurt, but we say, okay, God, we're gonna submit this to you. We're gonna trust that you're gonna bring the healing. You're gonna bring the restoration. You're gonna bring the hope. And so, yes, I'm the pastor of this church, but maybe I'm just the head cripple, if I can say it that way. Maybe I'm just the lead invalid, if I can say it that way. But we're in this thing together. And that's what I love about our church is that we're not perfect. We don't have all of our stuff together, but we're chasing after God together and seeking what he has for us. By the way, I promise, um, I just took a lot of time with a couple verses uh, and it's not gonna take that much time to go through the rest of it, so don't worry. John chapter five, verse five says this. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had, had had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So last week, um, last week, we talked about the question, why are you so afraid? And the boat was sinking. And it looked like they were gonna die. And Jesus had the audacity to ask his disciples, why are you so afraid? And the question seemed clear. The boat was sinking. They were gonna die, right, if Jesus didn't do something. And this question seems similar to that. Do you want to be healed? Because remember the situation. There was a man here who he knew had been an invalid for 38 years, It doesn't say how long he'd been laying by the pool of Bethesda, but I think it's obvious to say he wasn't laying by the pool of Bethesda to work on his tan, right? He was there among all these invalids because he was looking for healing. And by the way, let me say this. Um, For a man of Jesus' stature as a rabbi, it was uncommon for someone like that to be in a, a situation like Bethesda because typically a rabbi was not gonna take time out of his day to go mingle with the invalids. But Jesus showed up, and when Jesus shows up, things change. So Jesus sees this, he perceives this. This man is laying by a healing pool. He's an invalid. He's been laying there for a long time. This seems like the most duh question ever, doesn't it? Do you wanna be healed? This feels very straightforward, but it doesn't seem to be. Because we seem to know what the answer is, right? Do you want to be healed? Of course he wants to be healed. Look at where he's at. Look at what's going on with his life. Who in their right mind would say no? So it seems like a bad question. It seems like the right question might have been, and maybe a question you and I would have asked, is uh, what happened? How'd you get here? What's going on in your life? How do you feel about the situation you're in? Do you, how can I help you, right? That's what we, how can I help? And, and to be honest, if he was gonna ask that question, say, how can I help you? This man might've said, can you just wait here? And as soon as the water is troubled, just shove me in. <laughs> Which seems weird to just sit there, kneel by him for some indeterminate amount of time. He's checking his watch until the, when he just shoves this, <laughs> this invalid into the water. Like, oh gosh, he didn't make it in time. I gotta fish him out of the water now. That would have been awkward. But these are the things we ask. How can I help? What can I do? And one of the things I want you to hear is, in this context, it wasn't uncommon. In fact, it was common for people to believe that a situation was brought on by their own actions or someone else's actions. So if someone uh, had mental, physical, emotional issues, they were probably to blame or someone in their ancestry was to blame. 
We actually see in the Old Testament that um, according to the law or the, the, in the Old Testament that God may punish people generations later for a sin of a father or a grandfather, a great-grandfather, whatever it might be. And so this was a, a common perception. So when Jesus asked the question, do you want to be healed? It can be looked at as an accusation. Do you, do you even want to be healed? I mean, you probably deserve what you got. You did something. Like, that's a way that it might have been interpreted. That's a way that it might have been received. But I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. And the reason I think that is because you can look at context. In John chapter 9, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they go, they go past a man. It says he was blind from birth. So he was born blind. And it says in verse 2 of John 9, the disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they want to know what was the reason. What was the reason he ended up like this? Was it, was it something he did? Was it something his parents did? We want to get to the solution. And Jesus answers him and says, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So let me take just a tiny bit of liberty with this passage. Um, Jesus says, you are looking for an answer to why you ended up in this place, okay? But there might not be an answer. And we've talked about before, sometimes things happen because sin entered into the world. We live in a broken world. So sometimes things just happen. Sometimes you just get a flat tire. Sometimes you just get a cold. And it's not the enemy is out to get you, we just live in a fallen world. So we like to find solutions. We like to find someone to blame, but sometimes there's not. So what Jesus is saying is this. Hey, maybe no one is to blame in this situation, but this is what I know. Whatever is happening, God wants to utilize this. He wants to redeem it for his glory. So I don't know how this guy ended up blind. I don't know how he ended up in the situation he's in, but this is what I know. God wants to redeem it so that he gets the glory out of it. That's what he's saying. And I would say the same thing to you today. Sometimes when we're going through a season, when we're going through difficulty, when our heart is broken, when we failed, when we're needing a healing, whatever it is, we go, what happened? Who's to blame? And sometimes there is no one to blame. Sometimes life has just happened. But this is what I want you to know. No matter what has happened to you, whether it was something you, you brought on yourself through a decision, whether it's something you were a victim of, whether it was just life, I'm telling you this, whatever it is, God longs to use it for his glory. He longs to redeem it and restore it and prop it up as a prize and point back to it so people can see how good he is. So if you're struggling today, if you're going through a season today, if you're having an issue today, I want you to know something. Jesus isn't asking you the question, do you want to be healed in an accusing way? It's an invitation. It's not an accusation. It's an invitation. He's not saying you probably deserve some of this. He's asking the question, do you want to be healed? In Mark chapter 10, there's a similar question. Uh, there's, there's a man that's mentioned, his name's Blind Bartimaeus, according to Scripture. And uh, does anybody want to guess what Blind Bartimaeus' issue was? <laughs> Stab in the dark, maybe? He had diabetes. That's what it was. I'm just kidding. I didn't kidding. So Blind Bartimaeus, he was, he was begging, um, and Jesus and his disciples walk by, and he says, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around are like, would you shut up? Like, stop talking. Jesus doesn't have time for you. And, and so he yells out even louder. I love this so much. Because this is a man who had every reason just to sit in his place and continue to beg and continue. But he cries out even louder for Christ. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So David, uh, Jesus hears him. He responds and he tells them, hey, bring him to me. And so they go to Bartimaeus and they say, hey, Jesus wants you. And it says he, he takes off his cloak and he runs to Jesus, which I love. He, he doesn't look for somebody to lead me along the way. He, he instinctively knows where Jesus, he goes to Christ. And he gets to Jesus. And Jesus asks this question to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, Really? His name is Blind Bartimaeus, right? He's like, you know what, Jesus, I got this ingrown toenail that's been bothering me the last few weeks. No. What a silly question, right? 
This is another one of those duck questions. And, and this is not one of our questions we're going to cover. It's a bonus question Jesus asked. But he asked, what do you want me to do for you? And it's interesting because he asked the man by the well, do you, or by the, the pool, do you want to be healed? Right? Uses the same language. Do you want to be healed? What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus responds and he says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And then Jesus responds to him and says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him on that day. See, when Jesus asks him this question, what do you want me to do for you? He knows what Bartimaeus needs. He, he can see it. This guy's blind. He needs his sight. That's what he needs. But he asks the question, says, what do you want? Do you, do you want to be healed? Or do you just need to be healed? Because I'll tell you this, there's a huge difference between people who need help and people who want help. Miles apart. I made this mistake as a pastor. Um, there are churches around us that we've had uh, opportunities to come alongside and partner with and encourage and bless uh, through our, our pastor's network, Back 40. And we've made the mistake early on of, of not understanding this principle. And so there'd be a, a pastor or a church that would call and say, hey, we're struggling. Maybe we're just a, a year or two away from closing our doors. Uh, can you help us? Because we want to reach younger people. We want to change our style. We want to make sure we're reaching lost people. And we're like, yes, we're enthusiastic. We'll help you. We won't charge you. Any we're just going to come hang out. We'll give you feedback. We'll do whatever we can to help your church get better. So we'll go and spend time with them. And they'll go, we'll do whatever we need to do because it's clear they need help. We go, okay, what do you think about? Maybe we do this or this or this or this. And maybe we've, we adjust this and we can change this. And we will tell them the practical things that they can do. And it's shocking how many times the churches will go, mm. and what they're saying is, I need help, but not like you're offering. So I, I need help, but I don't really want your help. I, I need Help, but I don't know if I want to change in that kind of way. And it's amazing how this is true even in individuals. It's amazing. Even if it's a healthy change, we're resistant to it because it's a change. Because the life we know is the life we're most comfortable with. So even if there's a level of dysfunction or unhealth in our lives, a lot of times that's just what we grow comfortable with. So it's a hypothetical family comes to me, a couple comes to me and they say, Pastor Mel, our marriage is struggling. Tell me what's going on. And the husband says, can you believe it? She expects me to dishes. Oh, how can you live in that kind of house? I can't believe it. Again, this is hypothetical. Um, so, so what's really going on, and at the end of the day, is she wants him to do dishes. He doesn't want to do dishes. And I've got the solution. Start doing dishes. Right? Start helping with the dishes. It's going to make your marriage healthier and better. And it's shocking how many times either the husband or the wife goes, uh, I don't want to do dishes. It's hard. Now, the dishes is just an example. It can be any number of things in a marriage. Well, I don't want to initiate physical intimacy. I don't want to, I don't want to ask for it. I don't want to plan a date. I don't want to take care of the kids. I don't want to get up in the middle of the night. Whatever it is that would help the marriage get healthier, someone will go, eh. And what they're saying is, I know, I, I know our marriage needs help, but I don't know if we really want help. I don't know if we want to do what you're saying we should do in order to make the situation healthier. healthier. It happens in our marriage. It happens in our health. <laughs> We'll go to a doctor appointment. The doctor will say, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're not going to live. If you keep eating the same stuff you're eating now, and you go, how much longer do I have then? <laughs> and what you're trying to decide is, is the time I've got worth what I'm eating? Because it might be, right? <laughs> I didn't tell the other services this. I might, and this is not going to be a shocker for you, um, I might have a Meadows problem. <laughs> because last week I went in, and uh, it was during the day, and the, the lady that is the manager there, I mean, they know me by name. I'm like, Mel, and hey, it's great to see you. And they were talking. And she said, hey, have you talked to Joe, who's the owner? I said, no, I haven't talked to Joe in a while. And she said, well, he's got something for you. Hold on. I'm like, okay. And she comes out, and she gives me a Meadows sweatshirt and T-shirt. <laughs> and she said, 
I had to buy mine. I was like, good Lord, I might have a Meadows problem. <laughs> if the owner is giving me free gear just because I eat there so often. So I was like, Lord, I repent right now, right? So the doctor says, if you keep eating the Meadows, you're gonna die. And you're like, mm, right? If you keep eating this way, you're gonna get diabetes. If you keep doing this, whatever it is, and we're like, oh God, I don't wanna change because I'm comfortable. I know it's unhealthy, and I know it's gonna shorten my, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. Our finances, right? Does anybody want more credit card debt this year than you had last year? No, right? How many of us are not gonna change the way we spend though? So we're gonna end up with more credit card debt this year than we had last year. Why? Be because we need change, but we don't really want change. We need to be healed, but we don't want to be healed. We don't want to implement any kind of change in our lives because we're comfortable. And, and in my opinion, what Jesus is really asking is, he's asking this man by the pool, are you so comfortable with the life that you're leading that you would rather stay this way? Are you so comfortable with the condition you're in, have you just made friends with it, that you'll just say, this is how this is gonna be? Because he'd been there for a long time. This situation has not changed. So he asked this question, do you want to be healed? Is that what you really want? I see what you need, but is that what you want? And then verse seven, he responds. And he says, this, it says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Now again, this is a fairly straightforward question to me. Do you want to be healed? And, and he responds and what he says basically is, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I want to be healed, but, man, I'm a victim. Things are bad. I mean, I can't get there. I got nobody to help me. Jesus, what am I supposed to do? I can't get to the pool. And, and no, nobody's helping me get there. And by the time I get there, somebody else has already gotten there. So what's the point? So he says, yeah, but. Yeah, I want to be healed, but. Here are the obstacles, here's the challenges, here's the reason why it's probably not possible. See, he came to this pool every day. Someone brought him to this pool, and laid him by this pool every single day. You have to imagine that he started building relationships with the other people around the pool. He started getting into other circumstances, situation. How disappointed this guy must have been when all these near misses happen. The water is, is troubled, the water's stirred up, and somebody gets in before him, he, he just misses it. I can imagine he has stories, just like fishermen have stories of the fish they almost got. I imagine he had stories, oh, I'll never forget the time, it's so close. Man, Jacob got him right before, I can't believe he got it. And not only did he miss his healings, but then some of the people, and again, I'm imagining this, some of the people that maybe he's building a relationship with around this pool, they get what they're looking for and then they never come back. And it's even a greater reminder of his failure of where he's at, of the disappointment that seems to be enveloping his life. See, in this disappointment, he probably settled in to his life. If I know human beings, he probably said, well, I guess this is just how it's going to be. This is just who I am. I'm just gonna be by this pool. This is what my life is gonna look like. And in that moment, he just settles in. I'm always gonna be an invalid. Nobody's ever gonna help me. Nobody's ever gonna take care of me. So this is just how it's going to be. This is just what my life is going to look like. And I think we do similar things whenever we settle into a marriage that's not as healthy as God would like our marriage to be. We go, well, I know this isn't what I want it to be, but I guess it's just how it's gonna be. When we settle into a physical diagnosis from a doctor and he says, it's incurable, there's nothing we can do, you're just gonna have to learn, learn to live with it. Well, I guess I just have to learn to live with it. It's just the way things are gonna be. The abuse that you've endured as a child or a teenager or from years past, you just bury it deeper and deeper down, that pain and that hurt and the shame, and you just, I guess this is how I've gotta live. And we settle into this place of disappointment. In the meantime, Jesus said, that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundant. 
And I've told you this before, when Jesus talks about abundant life, he's not talking in future sense about heaven, he's talking about on earth, there's an abundance waiting for us. But yet what's happened is many people who call themselves children of God have settled into a place where we are just coasting. We're just getting by. And then we push back when we hear this question, do you want to be healed? And we can criticize this man and go, well, of course he should want to be healed. But when Jesus asks us the question, do you want to be healed? We go, yeah, but. And the reason is we've gotten so comfortable with our current circumstance that we're not sure we want to change. That change even for the positive, even in a healthy way, is a little bit scary for us because it's gonna change what our life looks like. It's gonna change our future. See, this man, if he really got his healing, his whole life would change. What he has known for decades would no longer be the norm anymore. He'd probably need to get a job. He'd probably have to make friends. He'd probably leave this place so everything would change. And I'm sure it was terrifying in some ways. How many of us do the same thing? Well, yeah, I want my marriage to be better but I'm scared of what it may look like. I'm scared of what it may cost. I'm scared of what it may change. Yeah, I want my physical health to be better, but what if, what if, what if? You know what, I want emotional health. I'm tired of the anxiety. I'm tired of the fear. I'm tired of the, the shame, but, but what if? And it's strange to say this, but we settle in to this dysfunction, this disappointment, this hurt, and it becomes part of who we are and becomes a part of what we do. So when Jesus comes to us and he asks you the question, do you want to be healed in your body? Yeah. But man, I don't want to go forward and have anybody pray for me, Jesus. That's embarrassing. So I don't want to be embarrassed, but yeah, I want, I want, I want healed. I want healed on my terms. I don't want healed on your terms. I don't want to do what you've asked me to do, but I want healed. Do you want healed? healing from that wounded heart and that wounded spirit you've got. We go, yeah, I guess, but I'm not gonna let go of the bitterness and unforgiveness I've got in my life because I was the victim, so I'm not gonna forgive them. I'll never forgive them. You want your finances healed? Yes, but I refuse to change my spending habits. I refuse to honor God with my finances, but yeah, I would like you to heal my finances. You want your relationships healed. I'm not gonna apologize, but yeah. You want your marriage healed. Yeah, but I'm not the one who needs to change. They need to change. I'm fine. So yeah, heal our marriage, but start with them. Right? So when Jesus says, do you wanna be healed? It's yes with a caveat. Yeah, but. See, if Jesus was standing here today, and you knew that the one thing you need in your life he could take care of, you wouldn't hesitate. If I, if I had him here and I said, Jesus is gonna stand right here and people are gonna line up, everybody who lines up, he's gonna take care of the one big need you've got in your life. You'd be like, deal, let's figure that out, right? But this is what I want you to know. Jesus isn't concerned with bailing us out. He's not concerned with your emergency prayer. I want to be careful how I say this. Jesus is a loving, benevolent, merciful, gracious, kind God. But so many times we come to Jesus with our emergency prayer and we go, would you just fix this? If you'll just fix this, everything will be fine. If you just take care of this physical situation, this health situation, this relationship issue, if you just take care of this situation with my child, if you just fix my finances, if you'll just take care of this problem, then we'll be good. And Jesus asked the question, do you want to be healed? And he's not asking about your situation because he's not interested in fixing your situation. He's interested in fixing your heart. He's not interested in just being an emergency backup. He's interested in walking with you through your life. See, Jesus isn't going to fix our problem if we don't allow him to change our heart. Sometimes what we end up doing is looking for what Jesus can offer us, healing, 
an infusion of cash. Jesus, give me a miracle offering in my mailbox and I will glorify you. Give me a bone, something, God. I need some finances. We, we look for these kind of things, but we miss the heart of God. Um, I, I told the story in the last service. I've got this, we've got, I say I. Our family has a dog, Lulu. She's demon-possessed. Uh, this dog likes me about 5% of the time. And that 5% is any time I've got food. Because I'm the only human in our house that feeds the dog off my plate. So Lulu can be walking through the house and I'll be like, Lulu, Lulu, come here, come, come, Lulu, come. And she will like sometimes not even break stride. She'll just keep walking, like look back at me and just keep walking. But if I'm fixing bacon in the kitchen, don't care where she's at in the house. If I say, Lulu, come, I can hear her tearing a path through our house. She can't get to me fast enough because she knows that dude's got some bacon and he's putting it in my mouth. <laughs> Don't judge me. I know dogs aren't supposed to eat bacon. Back off, okay? <laughs> Lulu will tear a hole through a wall to get to me if I'm gonna give her some food. This is what I know. Lulu doesn't really care that much about me, but she cares about what I have to offer her. So many times in our lives, we're just like that. We go, God, you're fine. I don't have a problem with you, but I really want what you have to give me. I, I, want, I want what you have in your hand. Can you give that to me? And, and God is not concerned with what he has in his hand. He wants you to be concerned with who he is. Because when we focus on who he is, we will end up with what he has in his hand. So instead of just saying, God, I need a financial miracle. God, I need a physical miracle. God, I need a relational miracle. God, I just, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. God goes, no, 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 I don't wanna just heal your problem. I wanna heal your heart. I wanna draw you into relationship. I wanna walk in intimacy with you. But I want you to know this, it's not either or, it's and both. God says, I want you to experience your miracle, but I don't want you just to use me for your miracle. I wanna be in relationship with you. And this is the invitation He's not just inviting us into a, a healing or a miracle or an emotional healing. He's inviting us into intimate relationship that will bring ultimate healing into our lives. Because that's wholeness with him. It's walking with him. And the interesting thing about this situation is this man is laying by this pool and he, he is waiting to get into the pool because he says, this is the source of my healing. If I could just get in this pool, then everything would change. And he's missing the fact that the one who, could, who embodies healing is standing next to him. The Savior he needs is standing there, but he's so focused on, so riveted by this pool, that he almost misses his healing. And I'm telling you, there are times that we look around and we go, man, if I could just get with the right therapist, if I could just get to the right doctor, if I could just get the right bonus at work, if I could just get to the right place in life, then all my problems will be better. And we're looking at those things as if that's the answer. And that's just a pool. And we're missing the fact that Jesus is standing there with everything we need if we'll just change our gaze and change our focus and stop staring at this pool for the miracle we're looking for and realize that it's present in Jesus. In John chapter five, verse eight, Jesus says to him, so Jesus responds to him. And he says, he sees his heart and he responds and he says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked. Now I want you to hear this. Jesus gave him instruction, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at that point, he had a decision to make. He could have said, man, he didn't say I was healed. He didn't lay his hand on me. He had to act in faith and say, am I really healed? He had to activate muscles that hadn't been used in years. And he had to have the faith to go, okay, I'm getting up. I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna take up my mat. I'm gonna walk. We, we see this another time in Matthew chapter nine, uh, Luke chapter two, I'm sorry, Mark two and Luke five, synoptic gospels. We see a story of, of Jesus. He was teaching in Capernaum in this house and, and these four friends brought their a man who was paralytic and they bring him to the house to be prayed for by Jesus, but they can't get in. So they literally go up on the roof. They tear a hole in the roof and lower Jesus, this man down to Jesus. And Jesus has the same kind of conversation. And he says, take up your mat and walk. You are healed. Take up your mat and walk. 
part of their healing was activated in their obedience, in their faithfulness, in them saying, okay, I'm gonna do what I haven't done in a long time. I'm gonna do what I've never done before because Jesus told me to. Jesus heals in lots of different ways. In Mark chapter eight, there was a blind man and Jesus spit in his eyes and he washed his eyes out and he says, how's that? And the man says, "Uh, well, I can see, um, now I can see trees walking around like men. And I love this because it's just honest, like the miracle, it wasn't fully baked yet, right? It was like, okay, well, let's try it again. I didn't spit enough. Bring it back over here, man. And he spits in the guy's eyes again. He cleanses his eyes and goes, oh my gosh, I can see, I'm healed. Jesus spits in a blind man's eyes and he's healed. We see another situation where Jesus, um, the blind man comes to Jesus and Jesus spits in the dirt and makes mud. And he takes this mud and he puts it in the man's eyes. Scripture says he anoints his eyes with the mud. So he puts the mud in the man's eyes. He cleanses the mud from his eyes and he can see. Can you imagine being this guy's friend? He brought the blind man with him and his friend's like, what's Jesus doing now? He's like, well, it looks like he's making a mud pie. What's he making a mud pie with? His spit. What's he doing with the mud pie? Oh, you know what? Never mind. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And he's like, oh my gosh, like what is happening here, right? Do you think that guy cared after he received his healing, how it came to him? I don't. Mark 7, Mark 7 <laughs> there's a story of a deaf, mute man. He couldn't speak, couldn't hear. He comes to Jesus. Jesus puts his fingers in his ears, and then he spits on his fingers, and he anoints the man's tongue with his spitty fingers. You think Jesus was afraid of coronavirus? <laughs> I do not. And he prays for the man and he says, open up. And in that moment, the man's ears were open. The man's mouth was open. He was healed. Mentioned blind Bartimaeus. There was a Roman centurion who came to Jesus for prayer as well. In those situations, Jesus just spoke. We see situations where Jesus went with people and laid his hands on people, uh, did different things. We see in Matthew chapter four, Mark six, that everyone who touches the cloak of Jesus was healed. Jesus didn't even stop to pray just as people reached out and touched his cloak. The healing anointing rubbed off on them. We see in Luke chapter 17, 10 lepers come to Jesus and they stand at a distance because they were unclean. Now this is the thing. I used to think that leprosy was highly contagious and that's why they couldn't be around. But the reason they couldn't be around is that they would, everything and everyone they touched became ceremonially unclean. They had to go through this long process to be cleansed uh, again. So they couldn't go in the temple. They couldn't be around people because everyone they touched, everything they touched would become unclean. And so they stood at a distance and Jesus talked to them and he said, go show yourselves to the high priest to, to, so that they could go through the ceremonial cleansing part. But the problem was they still had leprosy. If you still had leprosy, you couldn't be made whole. You couldn't be made clean. But as they went, they were healed. In their obedience, as they went, they said, hey, we're going even though we're not healed yet. But on their way, they received their healing in their obedience. In Luke chapter 6, Matthew 12 and Mark 3, there's a story of a man with a withered hand that Jesus interacts with, and Jesus gives him the instruction, stretch out your hand. And again, in his obedience, he stretches out his hand and he's healed. Just as a side note, um, last night I I shared um, a word from somebody on our prayer team. Uh, On Friday, I interacted with a couple who are are part of our prayer team, and they told me um, they weren't going to be here this weekend. They weren't able to. But we've been praying for this weekend um, all this week that God would bring healing and that God would work and do some amazing things. Um, And so this couple said to me, Pastor, we feel like we've gotten this word, and we want you to share it if you feel comfortable. If not, don't worry about it. You do with, with it whatever you want. And um, in the context of this story about the man with the withered hand, I felt like I wanted to share this with you. Um, And this is what they said. There is someone whose first three fingers on their left hand were crushed in an injury. In the vision, the fingers became pink and whole again, indicating that God is going to heal them. Now, I shared this last night. And and again, I would tell you, if if you're not sure if this is for you or not, look at your left hand. (laughs) Nope, not for me. I'm good, right? It's that simple. And uh, part of me didn't want to share it because I was like, that's, what are the odds, right? God, okay, I know you could, I don't know. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to share it. And last night, after our first service, a man came up to me and he said, hey, I was in an accident, you know, years ago. My three fingers were crushed and I don't have any, any feeling in any of the three fingers. 
And he said, I think that might have been for me. And I said, you think? <laughs> might have been. Might have been. And so I just said, hey, can I pray for you? He said, yeah. So I prayed for him. I said, does it feel any different? He said, well, yeah, maybe a little. I'm not sure. And I just told him what we had read. And I said, you know what? I'm believing as you continue to use those that, that God's going to continue to heal it, that it's going to be restored. But God didn't give us this on accident. Like, that's for you. And so maybe there's somebody in your life that that's for too. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you go, man, that's me. Uh, let us know about that because we want to pray with you about that. But we believe God's going to heal. Last thing I want to mention to you is this. Mark chapter 1, Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 5, um, there's a story of a leper that comes to Jesus. And like I said earlier, um, lepers were not around to be other people because they would make them unclean. Um, they, would be, they would be discriminated against if they were even around people because the stigma that rested on them. And there would people, be people who say, you're unclean, you shouldn't be around us, you shouldn't be here, you don't belong here. But yet, this person with leprosy comes to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't stand off at a distance, he doesn't pray for them, he doesn't go, well, hope everything works out, let me know if there's anything you need. You know what Jesus does? He goes right up to the person, he lays hands on that person. See, Jesus doesn't care that they're unclean cleanness might rub off on him, that he's going to become unclean because of them. He's going to them and he's laying his hands on them because he wants his, his healing to rest on them. He wants his cleanness to rub off on them. He's not worried about being infected by your uncleanness. If you're here today and maybe you've been told you're unclean, maybe you've been told you're a disgrace, maybe you've been told you don't belong here, you shouldn't be around directly or indirectly, I want you to know something. That's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus is gonna come right up to you. He's gonna put his hands on you and he's gonna tell you you're loved. He's gonna tell you you're whole. He's gonna tell you that the healing anointing I have, you're gonna be healed. You're gonna be anointed in, in my name. That's the heart of Jesus. See, if you go to Bethesda today, I want you to know something. They've excavated the area. They found the pool. They know where it's at. You could visit it today. I've got a friend who was there just a few weeks ago. He took pictures of the pool of Bethesda. And I want you to know something. It is a dried up relic. You can visit it. You can take pictures of it. But there's no water there. There's no power there. There's no authority there. The authority was never in the water. It was in Christ. And I want you to know something today. You could go halfway around the world and go to Bethesda and find nothing. But I'm telling you today, in this house, right now, there is one who can heal. There's one who can restore. There's one who can put things back together. And his name is Jesus, and he is here to meet you today. Right. And so I'm believing this. There are going to be people in this room that you've struggled for years with a chronic condition. The doctors have said, we can't do anything about this. Today is your day. Today is your day that you're going to walk out of here healed. There are people in this room that maybe you've been going to a therapist for years and they've said, I don't know if there's anything I can do. You're just going to have to learn, learn to live with this depression, learn to live with this emotion, learn to live with this anxiety. We're going to med you up and you're going to keep coming back. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to fix it, but I'm telling you something today. And I'm not against counseling. I'm not against meds. But what I want you to know today is I think Jesus is here and I think he wants to touch you. I think he wants to minister in your situation. I believe there are people here that you've gotten a diagnosis of cancer and it has felt overwhelming to you and you're going to walk out of here and you're going to be made whole. You're going to walk out of here differently than the way you walked in. I believe there's marriages here that are in trouble, that you've been struggling and maybe nobody knows about it. Maybe you look like the perfect couple, but today God's going to restore some things in your marriage. God's going to bring healing to you and you're going to walk out of here differently. Some of you, I believe, have been a victim of abuse Maybe you've never told anybody. Maybe you've buried that away. Maybe you've hidden that. You felt ashamed of it. But I want you to know something. I believe today is your day that you're going to walk out of here whole. This man who was healed by the pool of Bethesda, he didn't walk to the pool that day. He was carried to the pool that day. But he walked away carrying his mat. He, he left differently than he came. And I'm believing today you're going to leave differently than you came here today. Now, some of you are freaking out. You don't know what's going to happen. There's no reason to freak out. This is what we're going to do in just a minute. Um, we're going to close out like we normally do, but we're going to have our prayer team and our staff here at the front of this room to pray with anybody who would like prayer. We're going to stay as long as we need to when we this, this, uh, miss the service in just a moment. So we'll stay, we'll stay as long as we need to, pray with everybody we need to pray with that wants prayer today. But this is what I know. Sometimes we're looking for a physical healing in our body when really what we need is a spiritual healing. Maybe, maybe we feel like we need this, but what we really need is be restored in Christ. 
So I wanna give you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life today before we do anything else, because that is the most important miracle we can, ever, we can ever encounter. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. Heavenly Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for being so good to us. I pray in this moment, God, you would let faith begin to rise up in us. And you'd help us trust you in ways that we've never trusted you before. God, I pray for those that are here today who, who don't know you and are in a relationship with you. I pray that before they seek anything from your hand, they would connect with your heart. So God, I pray that, that Lord, they would surrender their lives to you. That God, you've been in hot pursuit of them since the beginning of time. Let today be the day they would stop and surrender their lives to you. That they'd just allow you to be God in their lives. So God, I pray that you would just minister, that you would draw people to you. Help them see how really wonderful you are, how kind and gracious and beautiful you are. And I pray that's what would draw them, not my words, not my stories, but your spirit. So God, I pray for those that are here right now that feel nervous because they know the decision they, they wanna make, but they're not sure if they can. Let today be the day they take that step and they trust you forever. They trust you as Lord, that they would leave here differently. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask if you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, you know what? I'm not really serving God. I'm not really in relationship with Christ, but I know I need to be. And today is my day. I wanna surrender it all to him. I, maybe in the past you've looked at his hand, but today you say, I wanna know him. I wanna be in relationship with him. I'm not gonna embarrass you or bring you forward. I just wanna pray with you right where you're at. So if that's you, would you be bold enough to put your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. If you'd say, Mel, pray for me today. Today's my day. Yeah, thank you over here. Center section. Thank you in the back. I see you. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, up in the balcony. Yeah, a couple of hands in the balcony. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, over here on my left. Thank you, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else want to join these? Say, Mel, pray for me today. Before I, I receive any kind of spiritual or emotional, physical healing, I need to just make Jesus Lord of my life. Yeah, thank you. On my right, I see you. Praise God. Yeah, thank you, sir. On my left. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. I see you center section, sir. Yeah, I see you in the balcony. You can put your hand down. I don't wanna rush this moment. I don't wanna take too long either though. Is anybody else, just a few more seconds. You go, yeah, Mel, that's me. Pray for me, include me in that prayer. Today's my day to make Jesus Lord of my life. Yeah, up in the balcony, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In, in Romans, it says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want us to pray this prayer together with our mouth, but I want you to believe it from the core of your being, from the heart of who you are. I want you to believe it from, with everything you've got. So pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. And thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for all of my sin. From this day forward, I turn from my old life and I turn towards you. Thank you for pursuing me. Help me pursue you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Mm, Jesus, you're good. Listen, I wanna ask our dream team not to get up from your seats yet. Give us just a minute. I don't wanna disrupt this moment. I want you to hear something though. Those of you that just made that decision to dedicate your life to Christ or rededicate your life to Christ, I want you to know something. Uh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. And I can't wait to see what God's gonna do in your life. And I want to help you take the next step. So the simplest thing for you to do is to take the card out of the seat back in front of you. On one side of the card, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. Fill out the side of the card that says salvation and take it to our info center. When we finish here in a minute, give it to them. They're gonna give you a free Bible. We're gonna help you take the next step. If you're watching online, you prayed that prayer, simply text the word salvation to 555-888. We're gonna connect with you and help you find a life-giving church in your area to, to begin to grow your, and walk in your faith. So thank you for worshiping with us. Now listen, guys, I want you to hear something. In just a minute, and we're gonna hear some reports over the next few weeks uh, from this weekend of people who were healed, people who um, after they were prayed for, God changed their circumstance. We're gonna hear some reports, I promise. But I want you to know this. The, gr the greatest miracle that can happen in our lives is not that our moment is fixed, 
but that our eternity is fixed. And I am so excited for the miracle that's happened this weekend. The people's lives have been transformed. The people who have said yes to Christ. So thank you for that. So listen, this is what's gonna happen now. I'm gonna pray a closing prayer over you. And, and while I'm doing that, our prayer team's gonna be right up here at the front of this room. Our prayer team and our staff are gonna join us. And, and when I finish in a moment, if you feel like God is through with you and you'd like to go, feel free. There's no condemnation. You don't need to stay any longer than you would like. But I want to encourage you, if you're not in a rush, if you don't have anywhere to go, feel free. Just stay in your seat. Maybe you want to stand. Uh, maybe you want to come down here and kneel at one of these steps and pray. Um, maybe you just want to pray for those that are coming forward for prayer, whatever the case is. I, I would love for you just to hang out if you would like to. Feel free. Um, but if you need to go, feel free to be dismissed. But our team is going to be here, and we're going to pray with every single person that wants to be prayed with. Our, our pastors, our staff, we're going to be here to pray with you and agree with you. So I don't care if we have to stay here all day to do it. We're going to stay here all day if we need to. Because I believe today is your day for breakthrough. Today is your day for a miracle. So why don't you pray with me as we finish out, and, and I'm going to ask our, our team to join me up here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for the 15 or 18 or 20 people who said yes to you this weekend. God, we celebrate that and there's a party in heaven today. So God, thank you for that. Thank you for lives that are changed, for destinies that are changed, for people that have been made different. God, I can't wait to see what you're gonna do and what fruit you're gonna bring from their lives. So God, I just pray you bless them today, minister in them today. But God, I pray as we go into a moment of prayer for special needs in our church, God, I pray that you would Stir faith up in this place. Lord, I pray that our, our expectancy would begin to rise, that, Lord, we would expect you to move. We expect you to work. And, God, I pray, just like Jesus directed people to do certain things, Lord, and that activated their miracle. Lord, I pray that, that Lord, in just a moment, there are going to be people that step out from their seats and come to find a prayer team member, and it's going to activate their miracle, that obedience to just stepping out. The Lord, uh, the, the prayer of faith is going to heal the sick. Lord, I thank you that your word says that the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So Lord, today, we're joining our faith together, and we're believing that today is the day everything is going to change in circumstances, that God, cancer is going to be eradicated in this place. Divorce is going to be eradicated in this place. It's not going to be an option for couples as they walk out of here today. They're going to know that their marriage is firm. God, I pray that you would, Lord, squash anxiety, squash fear. Lord, squash emotional issues that have kept us, bagged, uh, kept, uh, kept us bound up. And I pray as we seek you today, we would experience something new and fresh and different that will change us forever. And God, I pray you'd get all the glory for it. I love you and I thank you for what you're doing. And we give you the praise in advance for lives that are going to be changed here. In your name, amen. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.